Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Microsoft founder Bill Gates said, be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one. Nerds, geeks, we all know some and some of us are some. Tucking in under at least one label, Nerd, a person who is extremely enthusiastic and knowledgeable about a particular subject or obsessively devoted to intellectual pursuits. Geek, noun, a person who is knowledgeable about and obsessively interested in a particular subject, especially one that is technical or niche. Geek, verb, to engage in or discuss topics with obsessive passion or with great attention to detail, as in geeking out. Nerd, geek, unless you were possessed of exceptionally good self-esteem, at some point someone called you one of those names and it dinged you. Beginning no later than middle school and extending at least through high school, the pressure to fit in, not to stick out can be crushing. I remember in 10th grade walking behind two kids as they passed an open classroom door. One said, all the nerds are in there. His friend responded, those are the smartest kids in the school, you moron. (laughs) I remember it and I remember the distinct feeling of something like danger. No one was supposed to stick out. Maybe because when our distant ancestors stuck out, they got eaten and we haven't really evolved much. This morning, I'm gonna make the case for evolving and invite you to join me in a reflection on the importance of sticking out. The importance of being, well, let's use the umbrella term weird. Weird, being of strange or extraordinary character, odd, fantastic, as in relating to witchcraft or the supernatural, magical. This is author and teacher James McRae giving a shout out to Weird. High school was hard, he writes, not so much the classes, the classes were easy. The hard part about high school was navigating the rules and expectations of an opinionated teenage micro-society and doing everything possible under any circumstances not to do or say anything that would constitute the unshakable label of being weird. So I did my best to look like everyone else and everyone else did their best to look like me. We were all hiding with each other and from each other. It should have ended there, he says, after high school, when we've grown into well-adjusted adults. Shouldn't the crippling need for peer approval 
go away. It does not. Everyone, it seems, both young and old, is still afraid of looking weird. This broad insecurity misses a basic point, James McRae concludes, it's okay to be weird. Weirdness is potential strength waiting to be harnessed. Throughout history, the best and brightest have been those willing to stand out and risk being perceived as weird. When I allow you to be you, and you allow me to be me, without judgment or criticism of each other, we are free to harness and grow the strength of our respective differences. Everybody is weird, and therefore, nobody is. Irish playwright Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Do you know about Weird Al? Yeah, so I really don't. I just, I live under a rock, but I found him in People magazine, my sole source of information on popular culture. Um, Al Yankovic's father, Nick, and then of course I had to research him, right? So Al Yankovic's father, Nick, who earned two Purple Hearts for his service as a medic during World War II, believed that the key to success was doing for a living whatever makes you happy. This is the philosophy with which Nick and his wife Mary raised their only child, Al. Al began kindergarten in Linwood, California, then skipped second grade. Obviously, he didn't stand a chance. My classmates seemed to think I was some kind of rocket scientist, he says, so I was labeled a nerd early on. At his high school graduation, he was the valedictorian. Al went on to marry Suzanne and raise a daughter, Nina. They live in Los Angeles. He is known by friends to be polite, shy, and introverted, even among family. He is a church-going Christian. His religious upbringing is reflected in his abstinence from profanity, alcohol, and drugs. He is a vegetarian. And he is a wildly successful American musician whose niche is creating hilarious parodies of songs by his contemporaries. He performs them on accordion, on which he also plays polka. Yes, we are talking nerd. And yes, I am quoting to you from People magazine, which says, after four decades in the entertainment business, if there's one thing that Weird Al Yankovic wants to know and knows for sure, it's that weird is the way to go. His signature instrument is thanks to a door-to-door -door salesman who appeared on the day before Al's seventh birthday. The salesman offered my parents a choice of either guitar or accordion lessons, he says, and they made the life-altering decision that I should take accordion lessons. Because of course, who wouldn't want to play the accordion at your social gathering? <laughs> We're trying to reclaim the word weird, he says. Historically, it's been sort of a derogatory thing, like don't be weird, oh, that person's weird. But like it's bad to be different, no. That's what you aspire to. You want to be different, he says. You want to stand out from the crowd. What's the point of doing the same thing everybody else is doing? Come on, be weird. Al Yankovic is the epitome of one of my favorite maxims. 
If you cannot fix it, feature it. And he makes a very compelling case for not fixing weird at all. The beloved accordion playing musician and comedian who first rose to fame in the 1980s with hits like Eat It, a parody of Michael Jackson's Beat It, and Like a Surgeon, inspired by Madonna's Like a Virgin, has won five Grammys and sold more than 12 million albums. Author Alexandra Robbins did some compelling research into weird kids. She was inspired to this subject after meeting students all over the country who felt that there was something wrong with them because they weren't in the popular crowd, the popular crowd. In her book, The Geeks Shall Inherit the Earth, she writes, slip with me a few tears down below the in crowd, below the cliques with people who say, as one popular girl told me, I'm not friends with losers, into the world of students who are overlooked or disparaged. Descend to the plane where beneath the gridded, rigid hallways of robotic social hierarchy runs a parallel labyrinth humming with a current of new ideas, alternative philosophies, and refreshing points of view. Here is where you'll find the people who are brave enough to be true to themselves, where you'll encounter the interesting and innovative minds that eventually will drive the engines of creativity and progress. Immerse yourself in these forgotten corridors to meet the denizens known as the cafeteria fringe. Alexandra Robbins concludes, if there wasn't spot for you at the cool table in the cafeteria, fear not. Her takeaways, one, being excluded in middle school or high school does not mean there's anything wrong with you. And two, popularity, popularity does not make you happy. It gets better and the world needs you. This all falls under what she calls, I love this, quirk theory. Quirk theory posits that the interests and passions and idiosyncrasies that kids, gets kids teased, or worse, in school, are the very same qualities or skills that people are going to admire, respect, and value about you in adulthood. Quirks that turn you into cool, interesting adults. In a speech in 1957, theologian Paul Tillich told a graduating university class, we hope for nonconformists among you. For your sake, for the sake of the nation, and for the sake of humanity. Every great creative breakthrough is weird by definition because it introduces a solution beyond the existing paradigm and requires a new way of thinking. Innovation does not happen within the status quo. Innovation happens when outsiders challenge the status quo with weird ideas. Bruce Springsteen was a loner in high school. He was, he says, so unpopular that other people didn't even know I was there. 
He started a band because he adds, I was the one on the outside looking in. And now he's the boss. Tim Gunn, who self-identifies as a classic nerd, quote unquote, was made fun of, made fun of for making things. He was, he says, crazy about making things. I was addicted to my Lincoln logs and a rector set. Between my stutter and my fetishizing of Legos, I was taunted and teased. Now he is a fashion icon, former Emmy award-winning host of Project Runway, New York Times best-selling author. His catchphrase, make it work, has become famous. And yes, Tim Gunn makes things for a very successful living. And Weird Barbie. Weird Barbie was an outcast until she became the star of the Barbie movie, inspiring Mattel to release a limited edition collectible. So many bosses, so many icons are in the good company of Weird Al. When we chase normal, whatever that is, we surrender our strength for conformity. The more I think about it, what I love most in the people I love, the clearer it is that our quirks, what makes us different, are our superpowers. Your shyness can make you a better listener. Your quirky sense of humor makes you memorable. Your weirdness makes you endearing. You heard it here. And when we come out of hiding and live our true selves, we give everyone around us permission to come out too. Conformity is the easy button. Authenticity is powerful and compelling. Some of you remember Dan Cheever of blessed memory, chair of the Prudential Committee and the reigning elder as I began my ministry here in Arlington Street. Dan was among the last of the Boston Brahmins, a Harvard man with a Kennedy accent, a Tweedy professor of maritime law, a sailor and singer and thespian by avocation. It was Dan's great-grandfather, Hollis Horatio Hallwell, Honeywell, who built this church. And there are Tiffany stained glass windows given by both his family and that of his wife, Mae Bryant Cheever. In high school, I was employed by the Cheever household. I was his grandchildren's nanny. He referred to me as the governess. My job was to keep the children happy and away from the adults where they would be neither seen nor heard. What a shock it must have been to have his beloved congregation call me to serve here. But he was far too cultured to let on. He was one of the very first to extend his congratulations. In the course of the call, a very memorable call, he thanked God I'd gone to Harvard, told me I was the embodiment of the American dream, <laughs> by which he meant that education had lifted me from the servant class. 
and invited me to sign my letter of agreement over an early lunch, his treat. Lunch, as it turned out, was not as innocent as it sounded. Dan Cheever was a member of one of those all-male Harvard clubs. His was located on the edge of Boston's theater district up this long, narrow set of stairs. Inside, it was dark and smelled of corned beef and cabbage and stale beer. The long wooden table was sticky. As it happened the night before succumbing to pressure, the esteemed men of Harvard had voted to welcome women to their exclusive membership. And Dan Cheever was determined that his new minister was gonna be the first woman to grace its long forbidden inner sanctum. It was gross. <laughs> Over the years, something beautiful hidden beneath that profoundly waspy exterior began to surface. Occasionally, I caught a glimpse. He told me he had really never known a gay person, though of course he had known many. That changed overnight as I watched him relax into the hilarity of high camp and some very serious singing in our choir. He told me that being small of stature, he had always been assigned the parts of women in the Gilbert and Sullivan plays he loved. I got the part that he hadn't always been proud of that, but that he was proud now. And what stands out in my memory as Dan slowly but surely embraced his weirdness is how much more emotionally available he became. Over time, he told me of the unspeakably difficult death of his beloved first wife, leaving him with three young children and of finding a mother for them in his second wife, our beloved May. Instead of vigorously shaking my hand each time we greeted each other, he began to open his arms to me for a hug. My kids were crazy about him. Our oldest daughter, Corey, became his companion and driver in his twilight years. When May died, I broke it to my younger daughters and explained to them that Dr. Cheever was very sad. When someone dies, I said, you go to them and you say you're sorry that their person died and you stay close to them to remind them that they're not alone. The following Sunday, when we got to church, Jamie and Jesse ran off to find him and I was close enough behind to hear them say in chorus, we're sorry May died, we're sorry you're sad. And then Jesse, the youngest, silently took his hand and did not let go. She sat with him through the entire service, holding his hand, and he held her hand. And at Boston Pride, our choir was gonna sing in the Saturday morning service. Who knew Dan would love pride? He was giddy, and he was determined to fit in in a whole new way, on his own terms. Dr. Daniel S. Cheever came to church that morning dressed as usual in a suit with the addition of May's long pearls dangling artfully over his tie. Yes, Dan wore pearls. 
Beloved spiritual companions, let's celebrate the cafeteria fringe and subscribe to quirk theory. Stick out, be nonconformist, be yourself. Your weirdness is your superpower. Be proud. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. When I allow you to be you, and you allow me to be me, without judgment or criticism of each other, we are free to harness and grow the strength of our respective differences. Your weirdness is your superpower. Be proud. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.